Yes, hello, Tyler O'Reilly here. Before we start, just wanted to remind everyone of Bazaar Plus, our membership program where you can get extra episodes every week. Just simply go to the link in the show notes. It's Sports Bazaar. There's a lot to like in this story. It's getting more ridiculous as it goes on. The hunt for the weirdest. What are you talking about? Are you serious? What? So many questions. Okay, I'm going to have to stop you here. <laughs> Strangers. Unflattering, but essentially accurate. I'm quite exhausted. <laughs> it's going to get stranger and stranger. Most unbelievable. If you wrote this as a movie, people wouldn't believe Stories it. Stories to ever occur. An epic tale of woe, joy, nutty behaviour. The fact that it's not more well known is just the strangest. In the world of sports. This is going to get juicy here, isn't it? We should open a window or something. (laughs) Sports Bazaar. How many testicles did he have? Eight. (laughs) Found running naked down a major street in Chicago. (laughs) This, of course, is the last unorganised crime in boxing with Crossdove. Got up in a press conference. We're here to announce we've swapped our wives. What is going on? It's time for the leaders of the hunt. Not household names for me. Surely a red flag. It's Titus O'Reilly. And Mick Malloy. Well, hello and welcome to the very first episode of Sports Bazaar with Titus O'Reilly, of course, and my good self, Mick Malloy. Titus, pleasure to have you on board. Describe what it is we're hoping to achieve here today. Well, Mick, you know, I know we would often, on radio, I'd mm. come in and tell you a weird story from the yes. world of sports, which, yeah. you know, is a limitless supply. Absolutely. And we would have about five minutes to do these stories. Yes, that's right. And then after the show, we'd talk about it. And I'd tell you all the extra stuff and we'd say, we need more time. We need more time. So we decided, let's do a podcast. Without, say, a musical item from Toto, breaking up (laughs) all the entertainment, which we love. Which some would see is uh, to our detriment. (laughs) These are just crazy stories from the world of sports. And we don't care when they happened, where they happened. We don't care if it's badminton or American football, Mm. Australian rules, football, rugby. It doesn't matter to us. Okay, now all I'm thinking about is what's the most bizarre story that could come out of badminton? Well... We might do that next week. <laughs> There's a few. Well, someone told me that coming around for badminton uh, was a euphemism for swinging once. Oh, really? Have you heard that? Well, I didn't want to out myself <laughs> like this so early. Yeah. In the- <laughs> uh, what say you come around Tuesday evening for some badminton was, let's Jada Pinkerton how kind did, of stuff. How disappointed would you be if you then rocked up and it was actual <laughs> badminton? <laughs> Hey, guys, what are we doing? Why are you in a robe? Where's your racket? You get the idea. This is sort of our quest to find the weirdest story we can. Unbelievable. And examined in detail, in forensic detail, which is your strong suit, I have to say. Well, this is what we want. We want to go down every rabbit hole you can imagine Mm -hmm. here because the detail is the funniest bits of some of these stories. So that's our mission statement. Uh, What have you got to kick it off? Well, this one is about... A key bit of sport, which mm. is the world of trades. You know, we all know sure. how big trades are in sport. Trades, drafts, the whole the movement whole between teams. Swapping around, all that sort of stuff. And I think probably the biggest moment in this area mm. you would remember was LeBron James announcing he was moving from Cleveland to yeah. the Miami Heat. A bit of hate mail involved. <laughs> it's a little bit of – he was most, and he's since moved, you know, a few times. But – yeah. He did an hour-long program on ESPN called The Decision. Do you remember this? I do remember it. And it was just to announce I'm leaving and where I'm going to go. So yeah. you'd think to tell someone where you're going to go, you don't need an hour. You don't need five ad breaks to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He stretched it out. Yeah. It took to half an hour into the show for him to say where he was going. It should have been a cliffhanger ending. We come back next week and <laughs> yeah. find out. And so by the time he announced it, no one 
cared. So yeah. that's the strangest ever you would have thought. But that's what brings us to today's story. We're going back to March 1973, and we're just before the season's going to start. It's spring training for the yes. New York Yankees. So the most hated, hated, storied, famous. You know, they've won, I think it's 27 Is World that the series. most famous baseball cap? It's the most famous baseball team. And jersey. Everything to do with yeah. them. So a lot of focus on them. And on March 4th, it was announced that Mike Kekic and Fritz Peterson. Not household names for me, but <laughs> far away. Yeah, Fritz has really declined. <laughs> You don't, you don't run into a Fritz a lot these days. but uh, Maybe for a firstborn, but, you know, it's, the good ones are always taken. So it, it was announced that they're going to be holding separate press conferences that day. And people were saying, what, what's it about? And it's a trade announcement. Yeah. So you're like, well, fair enough. It's, it's pretty run-of-the-mill sports stuff. No they, alarm bells ringing at this stage. At this stage. Mike Kekic, he's is held at 10 a.m. And they announced uh, Fritz Peterson's going to be at 4 p.m. <laughs> so two separate ones. Okay. Baseball players move around all the time. Like compared to other sports, it's constant. So they all come in the media to find out what it is. Mike Kekic is going first and he, so therefore he has to explain to the media what the trade is. So they're all waiting yeah. to hear where he's going. He's going to Cleveland. Is he going to LA? What is it? And he came in and announced that it actually wasn't a trade in per se with another team. Right. That Mike and Fritz were trading not just their wives but their families, including the dogs. <laughs> okay, I'm going to have to stop you here. What are you talking about? If you wrote this as a movie, people wouldn't believe it. Two well-known New York Yankees pitchers got up in a press conference and said, we're here to announce that we've swapped our wives. And everyone in the media room, and how this isn't something they don't teach at schools every day. <laughs> okay, can I ask, was this news to the wives? Oh, are they in the picture at this stage? I think even in the 70s. You still needed to get consent, consent of wives, that's right. yeah. you know, to yeah. swap. Run it by them. Yeah, you had to at least run it by them. Yeah. So the wives are in on it too, which is, we'll get into that. So many questions. Well, let's start with Fritz <laughs> Peterson, you know. That's a good place to, to let's start. Let's try and understand the man a little bit. Now, Fritz was an all-star, fantastic okay. player. Like, he was a real star. He'd won 20 games in 970. If you win 20 games, you're one of the top pitchers in the league. Yeah. Um, he'd won 109 games while he'd been at New York and he had an earned run average of 2.52, which is amazing yeah. Very for a stone pitcher. It was the lowest in the entire history of the old Yankee Stadium. So this guy is a bona fide star. Yeah, superstar. Kekic, Mike Kekic, he's a bit more of a journeyman. He, he sort of, you know, he was a 10 and 13 win loss record the year before. He'd been around, but he, he wasn't the star. Mm. Fritz Peterson, to give you an insight into a man who would swap his wife with another man sure. on the team, sure. which, you know, we've all thought about. Uh, <laughs> he arrived in 1966. So this is 1973, this press conference happens. Yeah. He's been there for a while since 1966. He immediately became known when he arrived at the club as the clubhouse prankster. Okay. <laughs> now, right. I, should, I just want to preface this. Yes. The wife swapping wasn't it's not a, a prank. prank. <laughs> <laughs> unless, and you know, this is back in 1973, unless... They're going to reveal in a few years this is the most elaborate prank he's gotcha. ever pulled. Yeah, gotcha. gotcha. A beauty. So the first one he did is he put talcum powder in teammate Joe Peppertone's hairdryer. So he's doing things Genius. like that. Or, yeah, it's like the classic. How did Joe Peppertone take it? I'm interested <laughs> to know. Did he see the funny side? These are grown adults. <laughs> That's the second best talcum powder trick I've ever seen. What's I, the best? I, well, I live with a guy called Russell Gilbert yes. who's a prankster and I was on a date and it was an important one. We were living together. And I said, mate, can All you just... All dates are important. But this is a Your beautiful, was beautiful girl. I was, actually, I, was, I was actually considering settling <laughs> down. 
But I, I said, mate, can you just give us some time and get out of the house, but leave us alone. Anyway, I'm there talking with this girl and I see him walking up the hallway in his underpants. And I go, okay, here's trouble. He comes in, introduces himself to Corrine. Hi, Corrine. And he comes over the fridge, bends down, opens the door. His ass is sticking out and at the apex of his, his bottom sticking out, you hear a fart and a plume of talcum powder. <laughs> Come straight it's an elaborate out setup. And showers all over the coffee table. <laughs> and I went, well, thanks for that. Anyway, I do digress. So he does that to Joe Pepto. Now, this is a step up. He would also print fake newspapers to hand okay. out to all the Yankees, like the families would come along to the games, and he'd print out newspapers and they would say <laughs> on the front cover that the Yankees plane had crashed and he was the <laughs> o- and he was the only survivor. <laughs> Oh, just I good like on this guy. Just good on fun, you know. Uh, Joey Pepitone got off lightly, <laughs> got I reckon. Very lightly. He's my favourite prank of his, though. One of his teammates was the future Yankees captain, one of their greats, Thurman Munson. He had ordered a holster for his .357 Magnum. <laughs> so naturally, you go, let's play a prank on the guy who we know carries a loaded Magnum Brilliant. with him everywhere yes. he goes. Now, he was... Right-handed, so he ordered a right-handed holster. Peterson rang up the supplier and got it changed to a left-handed one. <laughs> He's a genius. He's a genius he is an right. evil genius. So anyway, when he got the wrong holster, Munster goes nuts, <laughs> sends it back to the supplier going, what the hell? Fritz then rings up the supplier a second time, and this tells yes. you something about the supplier, yeah. and organises them to instead send a booklet on how to draw a gun left-handed. <laughs> Mate, so this, this guy's he is. He's on another level. Yeah. He's just operating on another I level. I love it. Kekic arrived three years after Fritz, Fritz. had been at the Yankees. In nine sixty nine, he rocks up. He'd been at the Los Angeles Dodgers and he'd originally been seen as going to be the next, next big, big thing. thing. So Sandy Koufax had been the great Dodgers pitcher. He was the guy they saw to replace him once yep. he retired. They were so excited. This is in the sixties, they gave him a fifty grand signing bonus. Which What's that 60s? by today's standards? Oh, Give me like something. A few million at least, you know. That's oh, huge. Massive for the day. Now, his problem was he could throw the ball insanely fast, but he couldn't direct it Oh, all. my God. It just went anywhere. <laughs> now, he finally um, actually gets traded. The Dodgers give up on him and go, he's never going to make right. it. Yankees take him as a bit of a, you know, just filling a gap on the roster thing. He arrives and becomes roommates with a guy by the name of Fritz Peterson. <laughs> now, I don't think he realised at this point that this yeah. was a turning point in his life. Okay. Things were going to change Fritz. dramatically. That's an important scene in the movie of this story, I <laughs> reckon. Just, ben Affleck and Matt Damon want to turn this story <laughs> oh, do they? into a movie. They've oh, been in talks to do it. So, you know, it's that sort of story. Now, in 1964, the Yankees had been purchased by CBS, which is the TV and radio yes, network, of right? They, got, they bought 80% of the team and they turn out to be like the worst owners of a sports team you can almost well, have. Well, they basically just don't know how to run a team, so they instantly have that problem. And then so on the field it turns terribly. Mm. Um, so firstly, they've, they've had the most dominant team in the century. Like This yes. is Babe Ruth, Joe DiMaggio, sure. Mickey Mantle winning every – they win a World Series more than the sun comes up. It's the yeah. one thing you can judge in life is going to happen. Suddenly under CBS they finish for the first time ever with the first losing season in 40 years. Okay. They then, the next season they have is even worse. They finished dead last in the American League, which hadn't happened until 1912. <laughs> so it's not, it's not going well, right? Fans not happy? 
Fans are unhappy. The Yankee Stadium, which is like this crown jewel yeah, of the Yankees. Yeah, absolutely. The it's house that Bay Ruth Sacred built, like, site. Sacred site. It's completely in disrepair. So people don't want to even go to the stadium because the stadium's literally falling down okay. around them, which is not something people look for. Um, they're trying to renovate. CBS say, well, let's renovate the stadium. But to do that, we need to move out for a couple of years. So they go to the New York Mets and say, okay. can we play at Shea Stadium? And the Mets say, no. <laughs> We hate in you. True New York style. <laughs> true New York style. They go, no, yeah, we hate yeah, you. Yeah. They literally, that we, we would prefer you just didn't exist. Fantastic. So they don't give it to it. So they're stuck in this terrible ownership, terrible stadium, and then you got Fritz <laughs> running around. With a bit of spare time on his hands? <laughs> yeah, is that what you're saying? Prodding people who have loaded <laughs> magnums. This is where it's going. <laughs> despite all this, and despite the Yankees really declining and it not being a fun time on the field, Fritz and, and Kekic, they become good friends. Okay. And soon they find out that actually they're wise. Marilyn Peterson, who's Fritz's wife, and Susan Kekish, who's Mike's wife, yeah. also get along they really get along well too. quite well. It turns out they really, really, really get along oh well. My God. Like not a little bit. They really get along. This is going to get juicy here, it's, isn't it's, it? This, we we this should is, open a window or something. It's this is the thing. I want to turn your mind to this in a second. Okay. On July 15, 1972, this is the year before the press conference. Baseball writer Maury Allen invites Peterson and Marilyn for a barbecue. You know, this is when journalists and sports people sort of talked a bit more. Okay. And it wasn't those, you know, they were sort of friends. And he wanted to catch up, have a party, chat, and talk a bit about the Yankees, how they're going, all that. Peterson said, do you mind if we bring Mike Kekic and his wife Susan as well? Okay. That'd be great. Yeah. We're very fond of them. Why <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and okay. Alan says, the more the merrier. Okay. At the time, not yeah. realising how apt. Yeah. The ramifications of that statement. <laughs> so the barbecue is pretty standard. They all have a nice time, a bunch of other people there. Except Alan noticed that Marilyn Peterson, and he says this years later, but he, looking back on it, he, he did notice at the time that Marilyn Peterson wasn't wearing her usual blonde wig, which she usually wore because Fritz liked it. Okay. So... He's dating a woman who insists has different hair colour, which is surely a red flag. Making your partner wear a wig. Can you pop this on? And I'm going to call you by a different name as well. Yeah, could I call you by my teammate's name, wife's name? Is that all right? So after the barbecue, Alan sees them off, walks them to the end of the driveway. They decide, the two couples, that they want to keep the night going. Mm -hmm. And Peterson said... When we were deciding to leave, we had driven two different cars and happened to park behind each other out in the street. I said to my wife, Marilyn, why don't you ride with Mike to the diner in Fort Lee and I'll take Susan with me and we'll meet there and we'll go from there. And that's how the story <laughs> starts. This is the pivotal moment uh, in movies, the inciting incident. He says, we did that. So we had so much fun, Susan and I, Mike and Marilyn, that we said, hey, this is fun. Let's do it again. So they did it the next time. Do what again? Like travel in convoy <laughs> with alternate partners. <laughs> that I find weird too. Like if someone said to me, I'll take your wife, you take mine. I'm like, why? Yeah, I would have thought that's someone tipping their hand off, really. <laughs> Although I guess some couples are like, I'd be happy for my wife to be in a different car. So, uh, like, Sometimes I like to sit in the back seat while my girlfriend drives. <laughs> that's, that's not weird at all. Yeah, no. So Uber they decide to do it the next night. They go out and they went out to this bar in, in New Jersey and Mike and Marilyn leave early. Not together, they go. But are they a couple? No, they're not together. Oh, my God. So this is... It's on. Yeah, Fritz's wife leaves and Mike Kekic leaves, leaving... Fritz and Suzanne. Under what guise? We're just going to... We're having a great time. Those They were tired. They wanted to go home. All right, well, we'll stay and keep going. Oh, is it... 
Is it game on here? He doesn't say it's game on here. He says we just ate and drank that night. So you kind of look at that. Bet and did. Now, this is the bit, and they're both very vague on this, which might be for good reason. They say this sort of happened a bit off and on, and then it didn't take long for the two couples to realise they said that they wanted to see more of the other's spouse. Okay. Now, Peterson says it just happened. It wasn't planned. Yeah. Now, to me, I want to know... <laughs> you've got to have so there's four people involved here yeah. you have to have some real confidence to be the, <laughs> the first mover <laughs> to be the first mover uh, in this area guys, guys uh, I've got an idea I'm just throwing this out here uh, you know you can say no ding 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 bit of silence <laughs> bit of show um, some point in this part they sort of like someone says well what about it and amazingly uh, no one says no, thank you. Because that has to be unanimous. A show of hands, all four need to go <laughs> up in the air. It's three to one. You're cooked. Bad luck, Marilyn. It's three to one. <laughs> Marilyn, you've been outvoted. <laughs> we live in a democracy, Marilyn. You're going home with Fritz. <laughs> so they say it wasn't planned. He's, Peterson says all of us felt the same way. We went on from there and eventually he fell in love with my wife and I fell in love with his. All right. Well, it doesn't seem like there's too much damage. Would it be fair to They're say, all happy? Nick, at this stage you couldn't see anything going wrong? I couldn't see anything going wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, they all say, they all. Peterson says, Mike started campaigning for his wife and he said, but he started talking about it seriously. He went and told his wife, Susan, that he loved Marilyn more. She yeah. seemed okay with it is what he says. So they started very quietly just basically dating the other person's wife. Yeah. Did you think of the guys, just before we go, I'm sorry to half on about this, <laughs> but do you think this came from the girls' camp or the guys' camp? Or oh, we don't know. It's, they're, they're deliberately vague. They, they're deliberately is, vague on it. I've read everything you could possibly read on these guys. And okay, that's a bit of a worry too. <laughs> you're, just trying you're, to find you're the, in this. I've been trying getting... to find the secret source of how to do this. <laughs> <laughs> There's no real... Okay. You'd be surprised yeah. how little info there is. Like, I feel like contacting Fritz and going, but how? What's the secret? How'd you drop the boom on this one? I think they've been hanging out and it had just started actually to shift that they, from what I can tell from reading all the different things, they they had started to enjoy the other But in the movie, couples Ben more. Affleck and Matt, no, at some point, someone's got to say something. Yeah. Who would be who? Ben Affleck and Matt Damon? I think Ben Affleck would be Fritz. <laughs> I think, you know, I think he's on brand with that one. He's on brand. Well, the thing is they're, they're trying to get it made and one of the reasons they love this story so much, those guys, is they're yeah. big Boston Red Sox fans who are the arch enemies of the Yankees. So they, <laughs> they want to make a movie basically to embarrass the Yankees. Which this I is incredible. Like, this is just know. like, who is that woman making pictures for Hitler? <laughs> it's just total propaganda. In the movie, the scene will have to have a moment like where they throw their keys in a bowl or someone's yeah. hands... Someone's hand touches someone else's hand. Someone walks into the wrong room. The car with the other couple in it starts yeah, bouncing up and down with the car behind it going, well, that's interesting. <laughs> there has to be a moment. Yeah. There has to be some, you know, the little glances that lead to something. I, I also would love to see a scene where, let's say it's Fritz says, guys, I've just been thinking, would, would you be interested in swapping? And someone else says, oh, I'm glad someone else has raised it. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> And they all heave a sigh of relief. <laughs> and there it is. They never all slept together, did they? 
Well, they re- I don't oh, think so. Don't. Where's this going? I'll, I'll get to why I don't think that oh. happened. There's a lot of questions going there, on. There right is, well, anyone listening to this is going to be saying, so well, how do you do this? Because if you thought about you and your partner and your best friends who are a couple. I just like to do it with a partner. <laughs> I've been spending a lot of time going solo these days. The idea of a partner is kind of attractive. So at this point where they all basically start dating the other man's wife, they, <laughs> which is a phrase I never thought I'd say. Okay. They sort of say, right, we're doing this. They haven't decided to swap fully, but they're just basically dating the other man's wife. And I'm assuming in that, not seeing their own much in that that regard. And it's all consensual. It's all consensual. Otherwise, it would be a bit quiet in the dugout. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, you'd need at least a 50% (laughs) buy-in to get this scheme off. I'd love to know if someone was dragging. It was a peer pressure thing. Yeah. Go on. Come on, Susan. Just give it a go. <laughs> You'll <laughs> never know if you just give it what. Well, this is the thing. They do a deal. And the deal is if anyone isn't happy, we call it all off immediately. Okay. That, that'd be good sense for any relationship. Yeah, no, thought. that's right. That's sort of. So they all say this. So despite all this, though, the season ends in September and they've been dating their <laughs> teammate's yeah. wife for a few months. Yeah. They go back to their respect. They don't live in New York. So Peterson goes back to Illinois with Marilyn. Kekic stays with his wife, Susan. Peterson, though, in this moment, they're sort of separate. He has this very scary plane ride from New York to Boston where the plane almost goes down. Okay. And he says, I realized I didn't even care if the plane went down. I just want to be with Susan more than if the plane crashed. Wow. So he gets off the plane, walks straight up to a phone, rings Kekic and confessed he wanted to do more than just date his wife. <laughs> Look, I know I've asked a lot, okay. but I'd want to do more than just date your wife. Wow. Okay. You know, so this is the phone call he gets yeah. saying, I want to do more. So they then chat and he says, I don't know how you feel about Marilyn, but if you're interested, yeah. like, you know, Straight meet me swap. halfway. <laughs> so they say, right, instead of dating, let's make the switch. So this is not public at the moment? This is, is not public. Saying, but-, but there was a time in this before the press conference that, the whole arrangement was called off briefly because some weren't happy, but then they went, nah, we're fine. We'll go back to swapping. Some weren't happy. Some weren't happy. An incident or just natural wear and tear? Just wear and tear. Someone just woke up. <laughs> yeah, one of them woke up. So then the final move's made December 14th, 1972. They literally move. And Peterson said, I didn't think I was putting the kids outside the door and saying goodbye, but that's what he's going to do. And he okay, realizes. I'm going to stop you there. <laughs> This is the first I've heard of children. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? Well, I said at the start they're swapping families and the dog. Who has children? They both have children. They both have oh a couple of kids God. each. And they decide. <laughs> hey, kids, family meeting. <laughs> family meeting. They decide what? that it's best if the kids go with the mother. <laughs> And the dogs. It's more complicated than you'd think, isn't it? In my mind, it's a straight swap. I've always thought wife swapping was a simple thing. What about... (laughs) It's counterintuitive, isn't it? Male kids go with the dads, female kids go with the mums. I would like to see a lottery system. (laughs) (laughs) Or a trade, like you pick the kid you want. I don't really care for her, but you can have him. You can take him, but you've got to take her as well. (laughs) Yeah, they're a package take Gwen if you're taking They literally even swap the dogs. The dogs well, were probably the, dog the hardest hit. Well, the dogs went with the wives. So basically the blokes just So swapped. the blokes swapped otherwise all as Every, is. Yeah, that's it. So the rest is all as is. So the kids stay. They're giving up their kids basically. Okay. And they decide that they're going to do this. So they're moving the children and everything. They're not heartless. They start to condition 
the kids for change. Fritz says in particular he went out of his way to build Mike up to his sons. You're going to go live with this great guy. He said, I tried to make out to hit them that he was a super idol. I said he was stronger, faster than me. Kids are impressed with things like that. I don't think kids go, oh, it's great. Dad's left, but we've got a much better dad. I mean, that does happen. But It's positive, I suppose. It's better than most. It usually goes the other way. So in Christmas of 72, the two boys fly out to California to be with Mike and then Fritz gets the two girls fly out with Susan to join him in Jersey, and that's the swap. It's all done. There you go. It's done. So 1973, it starts to move, and the rumours start to go around that this is sort of going on. Do do the teammates know? Are they in the picture? This this is where they're starting to find out. So after the swap's made, I think people start to, like, you're right, Fritz, you're not... (laughs) The talcum powder incidents have decreased significantly. That's right. You seem to have got something on your mind. What are you working on? Something big? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so the players start hearing about it and like going, what's going on? So one guy, um, the Yankees outfielder, Ron Saboda, he had attended the barbecue, the famous barbecue the famous where this barbecue, all started. Yeah. And he hears about it and he says, My first reaction, I had a solid marriage. So I was like, Okay, that wouldn't likely happen to me. And he said it probably wouldn't happen to a lot of people. But remember, this was the 70s, not that far from the 60s. (laughs) I don't even know in the 70s there was a massive trend in wife swapping. It still feels a little unusual. (laughs) So the teammates are now... So the Yankees are heading into the 1973 season. Fritz and Kekic have not announced to anyone that this swap has happened, but it's starting to get... Rumours are swirling. At this point... In CBS decide to sell the team. Okay. So CBS decide we've had enough losing money and losing on the field. Yeah. We need to find a sucker to offload this to. Sure. Uh, they look around and they land on a guy who agrees to buy it, a guy by the name of George Michael Steinbrenner III. Wow. So George there Steinbrenner is a legendary name it's for the Yankees. Absolutely. That he decides to buy the team and his kids still own the team. Well, when he buys it, what was now. his background? So Steinbrenner's come from money, right? He he's, comes from Ohio. His father's built up this huge shipping company that hauls ore and grain on the Great Lakes sure. in America. And he joined the family firm as a young man, began to revitalize it. So he started putting together, you know, lots of money. He purchased the American Shipbuilding Company. It had sales of $100 million a year. So he'd become rich. Was he already a Yankees fan? No, he wasn't a Yankees fan or anything. He's from Ohio. He has already dipped his toe in the sporting landscape by buying the Cleveland Pipers. Now, the Cleveland Pipers were in the National Industrial Basketball League and then moved to the ABL. The early warning signs are there of what George Steinbrenner is like. He's from Ohio. (laughs) That's a fairly conservative area, I would have thought. He found that he loved running a team and he loved, as owner, interfering in the day-to-day operations of the running of the team. So when I say interfering in the day-to-day, I don't mean like I don't like look at that logo or we should play that song in the background. He once (laughs) sold a player at (laughs) halftime to the team the Pipers were currently playing. What? (laughs) So this player's at halftime play for the Pipers. Has he nutted that deal? (laughs) Did Did the guy have to actually swap his outfit during the game? Yeah, it's like one minute he's playing on the other side. I mean, I think they played a bit fast and loose with the trade rules. (laughs) This is what Steinbrenner's like. So he brings this. Now, the ABL, the American Basketball League, it didn't last long and it folds. And Steinbrenner's 
tries to get the Pipers into the NBA. So this is before the NBA is a yeah. huge thing, but it's the dominant one. And he tries to get them. They say, no, we don't want the Pipers. So Steinbrenner is left with $125,000 in debt and personal losses of $2 million. Okay. Despite this, and his father says, son, some advice, never get into sports again. <laughs> Steinbrenner, of course, then says no and purchased the Yankees for $8.7 million. So this Big is coin. 1972, buys this. Now, CBS had purchased their 80% for $11.2 million, So he's done a great deal here. Sure. Now, to put this in context of how good a deal this is for Steinbrenner, um, after losing money on the Pipers, in 2020, Forbes estimated the New York Yankees have made at $5 billion. Well done. So he's bought it for 8.7. It's now over how many years? Well, that's from yeah, that's from the 72 to 2020. So not bad. How much in crypto coin? It's a (laughs) one Bitcoin. (laughs) It's one Bitcoin, depending on when you're listening to this. Now, so Steinbrenner rocks up to this Yankee team that's been terrible. It's got uh, all these issues going on, and he starts interfering as much in the time that he. Is manager there in his first 23 seasons? He changed managers 20 times. Unreal. Billy Martin was fired and rehired five in the middle times. of a game <laughs> yes. and then made him manage the opposition team. Well, the, during his first 26 years with the club, he fired 13 public directors. Harvey Green, who worked for him, yes. said, The first time George fires you, it's very traumatic. <laughs> The three or four times after that, it's it like, thin. It's like, great, I've got the rest of the day off. Because he hires people and then that's fantastic, and then just hires them back. So people yeah. start to not care yeah, yeah. if they're fired. Seinfeld had him written into the that script. Remember the when George worked for the Yankees yeah. and Steinbrenner was his boss? I did enjoy that impersonation. They played off this joke of him always firing people to the point where in that actual episode, he to George, he mentions all the people he's ever fired. Yes. He includes in that joke the manager, Buck Showalter, who has never been fired. So that's the joke. Like, right. oh, you're going to fire... Within two weeks of that episode airing, he did fire. <laughs> <laughs> he does fire Buckshot. How do you reckon he would have? Would he enjoyed the impersonation? Well, this is the best bit. He says he found the portrayal in Seinfeld unflattering, but essentially accurate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well. that's pretty bad when you go. It's flattering, but it's spot on. Um, yeah. So he shows up early nine seventy three. Spring training hasn't been announced. Some of the players are starting to know about Kekic and Fritsch, but George Steinbrenner doesn't know. So he's walking into this team going, I'm going to turn it around. It's going to be a totally different thing under me. What could go wrong? Yeah, he's he's (laughs) thinking, I know how to fix this team. And so he does some good things straight away. He goes and and he does a deal with the city of New York City to buy the stadium. So they'll own it and he'll lease it back. And therefore, once they own it, they can renovate it because they also own Shea Stadium that the Mets play in. So the city says to the Mets, you have to let the Yankees play while we fix up this stadium. So This is a pretty cool move. Yeah, it goes really. He doesn't have to pay for it. He doesn't have to <laughs> and he gets that done. So that's the first thing he does. So he thinks he's coming in hot. Now the first thing he thinks is what the Yankees really need, a personal appearance policy. The Yankees have to be, it says, if you want to be a Yankees player, you have to be clean shaven and have short hair cut above the collar. So this is the 70s and he's right. saying this is what it's going to be. This is what he's worrying about. Kind of look. Yeah. Now, there's a Simpsons episode, Homer at the Bat, you might remember, <laughs> where Monty Burns fires Don Mattingly for refusing <laughs> to shave his sideburns. <laughs> remember that that's one? That's what that's all about. And he's saying, I don't know what you think sideburns are. And he goes, I said side. And he's like, you know, that yeah. keeps happening. And at the end of that, uh, when Burns tells him to shave him once again, Mattingly walks away and says, I still like him better than Steinbrenner. <laughs> 
And that's because Steinbrenner refused to, Manningly wasn't obeying, and he was like one of their best, he was the star of the 80s for the Yankees. Yes. He refused to obey the policy for some time. And so Steinbrenner removed him from the lineup. <laughs> and and this policy is in place to today. Wow. Like even now, the Yankees players, if you look at them, they always have hair above the collar and they don't have beards and all that sort of stuff. It's still there. Who's going to play Steinbrenner in this movie? Larry David? <laughs> <laughs> He'd be good. <laughs> Just someone angry and who can yell. All right. So Lou Pinello is a great player now manages. He he told Steinbrenner at spring training about this hair policy. He said Jesus had long hair and therefore the players should be allowed <laughs> to have long hair as well. That's pretty good, good argument. argument. Solid. Steinbrenner points to the nearby swimming pool and says, if you can walk on water, you can wear your hair. <laughs> You can wear your hair any way you like. <laughs> Jeez, there's a lot to like in this story. So anyway, while this is happening, while he's running around putting in this thing, Peterson and Kekic stories now circulate to the point where most of the club know that two players have swapped wives, okay. kids and dogs. And Steinbrenner doesn't Yeah, know? he doesn't know. He's about the only person left. Because often the boss, you know, no one wants to tell the boss. Yeah, yeah. Someone's going to get sacked here. Yeah. <laughs> Phil Pepe, who covered the Yankees for the Daily News, said it was hilarious because Steinbrenner's in the dark. He wrote, it's hard to know whether to laugh or cry. George Steinbrenner bought the team weeks before and mostly walked around pointing at guys whose hair he thought was too long. Ralph Hock, the manager, sat there smoking a cigar trying to keep a straight face. Because <laughs> he's like, this is the least of your oh, problems. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you think hair's the problem. You just wait. Steinbrenner's arrived. Everyone pretty much knows. Even some of the media are sort of across the it. Media onto it. Okay. Media is starting to blow. Yeah. The genie's out of the, the bottle. The genie's out of the bottle. So Peterson approaches Maury Allen, the journalist who owed the barbecue, and says, <laughs> Keys <laughs> in the salad bowl. He says, Look, this has happened. Got an interesting thing I just want to get your thoughts on. <laughs> the thing about this and might be a great movie is I would pay anything to be in the room. You know, when they're telling people. When they're telling people. When you say, look, how, you know, once again, how do you approach this? You know, like, yeah. do you want some pitching advice? You've been traded? No, I just. <laughs> <laughs> look, there's no easy way to say this. I've swapped wives with Mike. Yeah. It's a, it's a press <laughs> statement, isn't yeah. it? You don't want to be there for so that. So he goes to Maury Allen and says, look, perhaps you could write something about this. I'm He's hoping, leaking it. Yeah. Well, no, he goes and gets advice and he says, look, this has happened. I'm thinking you could maybe write something about it. And, I, and Peterson said he was thinking at the time that Maury, because he knew him, wouldn't make it sound too dirty. I don't think Maury's a miracle worker. Going to put a positive spin on this. Yeah. It's going to be like an episode of the Waltons when we're done here. But at this point, before Maury can even write anything, Steinbrenner's finally finds out, um, everyone finds out, and it's decided this is an absolute mess. We have to do a proper media press conference. Yeah. So they do this media conference, which brings us to March 4th. It's a this month out a from the season. a PR company or something. Or did they have them in those days? I don't even know if, like, the best PR person. <laughs> Some events are not – you can't spin them, Mick. No. Like, what are you going to say? Well, I don't know, but you need a department <laughs> well-versed in the dark arts of releasing public statements to well, you know paper sport, over though, the You know, like, every time, like, say an athlete gets caught drink driving, sure. they almost can just dust off – the last media release and change the name and yeah, the date. Yeah, we got this. You know, like, oh, he's, he's very nice. sorry. He's going to go do a course. Yeah, he's in therapy right yeah, now. Yeah, no one's more ashamed than him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dealing with issues. This um, one is not one. You'd have to write this from scratch. <laughs> like, here are your You're talk. not going to believe this. <laughs> hey, where are my talking points on this? 
<laughs> Just stick to the script. <laughs> Don't say anything. The journalists wouldn't even know what to ask. What kind of press conference? This is just a bombshell. Yeah, it's like, oh, I have a few questions, but I'll... yeah. So they this brings us back to the start where they're doing the media conference, and Mike Kikich has to go first, and he tried to make the argument to the media that there was nothing unsavory about the incident. Sure. That there's nothing to see here. There was two separate press conferences. Yeah, one in the, one. one in nine in the morning, one in four in the afternoon. For, for so, separate. so they so never they, all four appeared. No. In, so so Mike did the wives front, appear? No, Mike just has to front it by himself. Because <laughs> <That's, laughs> by, well, by the time straw. they get to Fritz, they kind of know, but they've probably had time to think of questions. Oh, hey, I'm not saying this is going to happen to you and I, but what would you pick, first oh, or second? You'd lead off, I reckon. You'd get it done. <laughs> I do the second and walk in and just go, well, you sort of know the story, yeah. so uh, thanks for coming. You know, nothing to see here. So he says- You do the, get the last word, don't you? <laughs> you, you do. You yeah. say, well, I said I'm not happy about it, but <laughs> I suppose there's not a lot I can do about it. You know, I think it's going to be a trade that will benefit both sides. <laughs> so Keki just fronting the media. So as he's running the media, he says, unless people know the full details, it could turn out to be a nasty type thing. Right. Don't say this was wife swapping because it wasn't. We didn't swap wives, we swapped lives. Okay. And let the spin <laughs> commence. Every swap lives. I think you did swap wives. I think you can dress it up any way you like, but yeah, uh, really, that bloke's boffing your wife. The kids and the dogs, they're the <laughs> knives and forks in the deal, aren't they? I would have taken the dogs to the press conference <laughs> just to distract. They should have led with that. I was just announcing we've swapped dogs. Oh, yeah. As part of the deal... <laughs> Our wives will, will be going with the, the dogs. kids are gone. So he does that. There's nothing like, you know, LeBron said he was taking his talents to Miami. Kekic should not say anything about taking his talents no. to Suzanne or anything like that. <laughs> Peterson then fronts up in the afternoon and he's main message and he says, he starts to tell the media how they should cover the story. In the press conference. Yeah, and he says, don't oh. make anything sordid out of this. Okay. So Peterson would later say that he didn't think the announcement would be a big story. <laughs> <laughs> and how was it covered? Can I ask you? What was the general tone? He says he was disabused of this notion because he woke up the next day and the first thing he saw was his picture on TV. And he went, oh, this is okay. a big one. So this is wall-to-wall coverage. This is incredible. You'd be surprised, but the media didn't take the life-swapping angle. <laughs> <laughs> they start going right into it. I still need to know more about Steinbrenner. That's a scene in the Steinbrenner movie. Steinbrenner stays so far away from it. But there he must have been a moment when they had to oh, go there to is. him. But it's never been revealed because he's like, he's front and centre on haircut issues. <laughs> I'm seeing as Matt Damon and Ed Affleck <laughs> talking to Larry David, who's sitting there on a big swivel chair going, did I miss a meeting? There are this view that it wasn't going to be a big deal. It's a huge deal. It's wall-to-wall media. It's everything. Now, the kicker here, having mm. to go through all this and, and Mike Kekic having the lead off with the first press conference, is Kekic, it turned out and came to light quickly in the days after, had already broken up with Susan at the time of the announcement. So he's gone through all this. Mate, this guy's loose. For How nothing. do you make such a momentous seismic change in your life and decision with ramifications that affect everyone, everyone including yeah. two dogs? And your, and your and, kids. And your kid, oh, yeah. As an, kids. as an afterthought. And then go, yeah, I don't know. I'm calling. The New York Times Murray Chess. What? He mentions that he said at the two media conference, it was obvious by this point that they had bitter feelings towards each other, the two men. Okay. They've they're falling out. The two men are by this point actually they're not even speaking to each other. It's so gone it has gone right south. Right and proper okay. like left field. 
So Marilyn and Fritz still going strong at this point. Mm -hmm. Susan and Kekic, they've split up. Kekic said his physical attraction to Marilyn was strong. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he says, we're very physically attracted to each other, but we argue. He put this down to the fact that they were, and this is a direct quote for him, we were born under the same sign. <laughs> we sometimes butt heads. She and I are on a high pitch in our emotions. Wow. So they finally realise we've dated for about three months. But hang on, that's the biggest problem they've got in their life is their star sign. This same star sign. Never date someone under the same star sign is the takeout ah, message I want right. people to Kids, this hole. If you're listening, <laughs> write this down. This is the only mistake they made. So Keki just suddenly realized that, well, the deal was if anyone's unhappy, we reverse the swap. But Fritz oh, isn't interested in okay. reversing the swap. He's like, I'm very happy with your wife. Is this a cooling off period kind of? He goes back and says, well, we all said if we weren't all happy, we'd swap. And, and Fritz is like, no. Wow. So this is why they're not talking. Can now, he take his original wife back? <laughs> Can he have two wives? He, he can't get Marilyn back. Marilyn's happy with Fritz. Oh, Marilyn's happy with Fritz. So he's just suddenly broke up with Suzanne. So he says, Marilyn and I thought we were perfectly suited, just like Fritz and Suzanne. Marilyn was all for the swap in the beginning, but then she backed off. All four of us had agreed in the beginning that if anyone wasn't happy, the thing would be called off. But when Marilyn and I decided to call it off, the other couple had already gone off with each other. And they didn't want to change. They can were happy. I, can I ask? And I'm frightened to ask. <laughs> but was this a natural wear and tear or was there an incident? Was there something they just going, fought? Hey, they just I didn't, didn't get that. along. Who would think that leaving your husband for another man that you've known for three months, yeah. like you've would dated for three face. months, moving kids, dogs, and announcing, it to the kids. The, and announcing it to the New York press <laughs> could put a strain on a new relationship, this is Mick? A classic. It's just, you know. Fritz, in his defence, or him defending himself, said it hadn't worked and he said that they weren't agreeing to the deal of reversing it because Susan and him were now free people with free minds. Wow. Okay. Which would have to be pretty free. <laughs> free agents. <laughs> um, he says, it would have been perfect if it had worked out for everyone involved, but I don't feel guilty. Okay. So getting the remorse. So this has all happened. It's all gone down and they all end up. Staying now, the problem they're no is, longer on the same team. It's on the same team, they're so still playing together. So you'd be surprised that this whole affair led to rumours that they could both be traded away from the team. Man, so Steinbrenner has gone, got involved here. This is not what I really want. Um, so rumours keep getting asked of Kekic. You know, do you know you could be traded? And he says, "Well, I'm here. We're still teammates. I only want to be in terms of a trade where Fritz is. It's the only way I can be sure of seeing my kids." <laughs> Maybe the kids have to be part of the trade. <laughs> so so he's basically got himself this situation oh where my God. he's lost his wife and his kids to this other guy mm. and he doesn't like him and now to see them. So this is going to be a rom-com really, isn't it? <laughs> it's that year, 73, both their baseballing careers in terms of on the field, with their mind on other things, they have terrible years. You'd be surprised to okay. they, oh, they, they don't do well. That. They're suddenly losing a lot. Fritz wins eight. Loses 15, he's terrible. Kekic is so bad, uh, he only made four starts and he basically only walks people. He doesn't do anything good. So they're both absolutely terrible. So on April 26, Mike's traded to Cleveland and they do this big trade. Half time he's traded away. And then Peterson gets uh, traded a little bit later. So they're all suddenly end of split story. up. Well, sort of end of story. Now Bringing us up to the present day, Fritz Peterson and Susan Kekic, now they're still married, they're happy, they're together. How is his kids? Well, the two players, they haven't spoken 
in at this point in time in about 15 years. Yeah. So, like, they don't speak at all. They don't like each other. Um, <laughs> they say they paid a tremendous point, but Kekic said, the only way I could justify giving up my daughters was for a love far greater than any I've known. By American standards, Susan and I had a good marriage, but I wanted a great marriage. I was idealistic, I guess, he said. So he says he wanted to work it out, but it hasn't. He now says he's dubious that such a love exists. <laughs> At least he's not going to die wondering. Fritz says, I could not be happier than with anybody in the world. Mama, as he now calls <laughs> Suzanne, and I go out and party every night. We're still on the honeymoon and it's been a real blessing. So he's all fine. He, he, he has, yeah, That's really rubbing it in. Yeah. Kekic goes off and tours Japan and then he's basically, his life just crumbles. He never found another. He, no, he just travels around the man's world. Wife to marry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was the end for him. That was the end. He's, he's done. Now, Fritz <clears throat> has turned to writing books. Now, his first book was called Mickey Mantle is Going to Heaven. And in his books is he shares sort of memories little chapters on some of his old teammates in yep. baseball. Um, and at the end of each chapter, he decides whether they're, in his mind, because Fritz has found God, whether they're going to go to heaven or hell. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he says the, like... He's the hanging judge. He says Mickey Mantle and Bobby Mercer, by virtue of their acceptance of Jesus Christ as their lords, they're first-round draft picks for heaven. Okay. He says others, like Maury Allen, who wrote a book on this whole thing, said... His book contained 43 incorrect facts or mistakes and therefore he's going to have a more prolonged swim in hellfire. <laughs> so here this guy's judging. This is in this books. Is These are the books he wrote. sitting, he's the full bench, Yeah, going, you're in, you're out. He wrote that one of his teammates, Jim Bowton, is going to hell because when the trade all happened, when the swap happened, Jim Bowton said, I can see trading your wife, but the dog? <laughs> That was his line on the day. <laughs> that dog is going to hell too, by the way. So this is what he does now. He writes all these books about who's going to hell and who's is not. So Kekic says, I can't tell you how perfect it would have been if it had worked, is all Mark will now say. Wow. Right now. The kids, they're under five when it all happens. Kekic said the older ones were confused and it bothered them for the rest of his lives. While Peterson said, regrets? I have no regrets. Only for my kids. It's hard to think of them with no father. <laughs> <laughs> And Curtain. <laughs> that is an epic story. I still have so many questions that we'll have to get. Can you put out a fact sheet with this? Or <laughs> It is the weirdest story. And the fact that it's not more well known is incredible. Is just the strangest thing ever. But I just cannot believe that <laughs> anyone could even find themselves in this situation. In 70s, the baseball, which is the American game, right? yeah. I would have thought on a whole was like, from sport to sport would be more conservative yeah. than most. It's I just give bonkers. Give you the 70s, but this is still. Well, on that note, that's our uh, first story. And, well, uh, welcome aboard, everyone. We're and away. only going to get weirder from here. I hope that was bonkers <laughs> enough for you. But it is called Sports Bazaar. And I think we've opened our account. Thank yes. you, I think, <laughs> for bringing me up to speed with I, one of the great modern fairy tales. All I'm hoping is someone right now is listening to this in the car with their partner. <laughs> Who was thinking about it? I hope it's their own partner in hey, the it's car. It's interesting what they were saying on that podcast the other day. <laughs> How does it come up? This is still a mystery. The missing scenes are who thought of it first? Was it unanimous? And what Steinbrenner did when he found out. <laughs> They're the two. 
Scenes for me. Good on you, Titus. If you'd like more Sports Bazaar, things get even bizarrer, join our membership program, Bazaar Plus. Very easy to do. Just follow the link in the show notes for this podcast or go to bazaarplus.com to join Bazaar Plus, our membership program.